As warrior dads, we got to tackle a lot of things, but tackling low testosterone levels should definitely not be one of them. Uh, we need to keep our testosterone at peak levels, and that is absolutely crucial for all of us. So I'm sure you know all the horrible things associated with low T levels. If you don't, it's definitely not pretty. Uh, it's Google search away. But unfortunately, testosterone levels in men have been consistently decreasing over the last two decades. And it's actually one of the biggest conversations I have to have when working with men, which is why I decided to create the Warrior Dads Testosterone Booster Guide and Checklist. It's a free download. And all you have to do is go to checklist.warriordads.com. Uh, just download it, start, start implementing it, and start to feel the difference. So again, go to checklist.warriordads.com and get your free copy now. Being a dad isn't always easy, but it's the best thing I ever did. I'm constantly improving myself to be the best dad I can be through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. As fathers, we pass on many things to our children, such as our mindset, our habits, our attitude, and what we've learned along the way. Each of these will shape who our children are and who they will become. The Warrior Dad's mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself, to hone your edge, and to live with purpose. My name is Jim Bartomey, and this is the Warrior Dad's Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for tuning back in for another episode of the Warrior Dad's Podcast. Today, Ryan Mickler is joining me from Order of Man. Ryan is a husband, a father of four, an Iraq combat veteran, the author of the book Sovereignty, and the founder of Order of Man. The Order of Man is made up of a, ver a very successful blog and podcast along with a group known as the Iron Council. They actually have an event coming up in August, so I suggest you check that out, which we'll actually get into a little bit later. Ryan created Order of Man for motivated and ambitious men who want to become better in every area of their lives, from defining their purpose, obtaining self-mastery, building relationships, growing as a leader, and mastering many skills. Thank you for coming on, Ryan. Jim, glad to be here. Looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, man, likewise. I've um, been following you for a while on social media, and I've uh, you know read a number of your blog posts and listened to your podcast. Uh, I love what you're doing, so you know, you were definitely on my list, uh, a long list of uh, people, and you're going to be, I think, episode 35. So this is uh, really great to have you on, man. Appreciate you making the time. Um, oh, I wanted to just, you know, if, if people don't know who you are yet, um, then I just wanted you to kind of get into a little bit of backstory. I know on your website, uh, you said you didn't really have that great of a father figure growing up. Um, so I'd love you, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that and um we'll go from there yeah yeah uh well like you said my my dad was out of the picture when i was relatively young i was three years old um, i had a couple other stepfathers come into uh come into my life and they weren't really that great examples of, of what it meant to be a, a dad or a husband and so I, like i said i just didn't have that role model growing up and i i didn't i didn't know any different as i was growing up you know, we have these boxes that we live in and we don't really know that life could or should be any different. Um, it really didn't create a problem for me, I think, until I got uh, into, into my marriage and had my first son. And I really struggled uh, because I didn't have that example of what it meant to be a man and how a man shows up for his wife and kids. And so, you know, my wife and I floundered, both of us, um, I think probably myself more than she did. And we struggled and went through a separation and that's a whole other potential conversation, but uh, we ended up working things out through some things that I learned about how to take control of my own life. I've been the man that I 
I'm meant to be, that I'm designed to be. And that was, gosh, that was a little over a decade ago now, because my oldest is 11. Um, we ended up salvaging our marriage. We just celebrated 15 years of marriage uh, earlier. Well, Congratulations. Yeah, I started Order of Man. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's exciting. I uh, started Order of Man about four years ago, uh, really with the goal to share some of the same insights and strategies and things that I had learned on my own path to step into the man that I was capable of becoming. And I don't think I've arrived. I don't know if there is an arrive, but mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've figured some things out and I feel like I have a moral obligation to share those things. So that's, that's my path now. I've been doing, like you said, for, for four years and really with the goal of giving men the tools they need to, to be more capable fathers, husbands, business owners, leaders in the community, coaches, friends, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, so it's been a really good ride so far. And um, it's basically just me sharing what's worked for me and what hasn't. And a lot of guys have seemed to resonate. You mentioned that your dad was out of the picture when you were three. Did he pass away or was he just not present? No, no, uh, just not present. My, uh, my mother and him, uh, ended up getting a divorce and I would see him in the summers, you know, between school. Uh, and we had a pretty good relationship as much as we could when we saw each other. Um, I, I knew he loved me. I never doubted that. Uh -huh. I think he made some decisions he probably regretted. Uh, and, and I loved him. You know, he, he passed away a couple of years ago, unfortunately, and I wish we would have had a close relationship, but uh, yeah, just wasn't present. And, and unfortunately made some decisions that, that kept him from being totally present in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I live and I've learned to let go of those things. And I think if over again, he might, so would I. So we, we both have a part to play and, uh, you know, I just wish it would have been different, but it wasn't. And we learned and we grow from those things. Yeah. I noticed, um, you know, I've heard you say before that you, you have learned from, and maybe it's something I read as well too, that you have learned from a few strong men in your life or you had some of those, those figures in your mm -hmm. life that you were able to learn from. Who are those people? Well, my mom was always really good about knowing that she couldn't fully give me everything that I needed as a young boy. Um, she as a single mother raising us. Like I said, I had some other stepfathers come to my life that weren't great examples, but primarily it was her. Uh, and she did a wonderful job to the degree that she could, but she recognized that I needed no other male influences. So she, she got me involved very early in Boy Scouts, mm -hmm. uh, but notably into competitive sports. And I've got uh, some, some high school football, baseball, and wrestling coaches that I actually still maintain contact with 20 years later who were instrumental in helping shape me as a young man and ultimately the path that I've been walking as, a, as an adult. Nice. So these are – yeah, yeah, these are strong men. These are capable men. These are guys who I admire and respect and stepped up in big ways when they didn't have to and sacrificed – time with their own families to be there for not only me, but our entire team and the teammates there. And it's, uh, it's because of men like that, that I, I at least had some sort of foundational knowledge and growth for, for what I'm accomplishing now. Yeah. And how did the, how did the military fit in all that? I mean, I'm not sure how much that would translate over to actual fatherhood. Um, but I mean, and maybe it did in some way, I, I don't have a military background, but how did that, mm -hmm. how did that help you? Because of course you have a lot of strong, you know, male figures in, in the military, right? It's very, very Yang. Um, how, how did that play a part in your life? Yeah, I joined the National Guard when I was uh, 17. So I was still in high school. I was a senior in high school mm -hmm. and did a, a semester, I believe, of college. If, maybe not even that. I may have just moved to the neighboring college town. 
into basic training. And so I was doing the National Guard one weekend a month, two weeks a year sort of thing. And in 2005, our unit got activated and uh, I ended up spending a year and a half activated a total of a year in, in Ramadi in 2005 and 2006. Um, you know, I, I mean, I have, I have great memories of, of being in the military. It's, it's my honor to have served and to do my part. And, and I feel good about that service. Um, I had some great guys in there, uh, the brotherhood and the camaraderie that I learned and, and had access to in the military was unparalleled. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're in an environment where it's a life and death situation, right? It's not just something that's warm and fuzzy and nothing could go wrong. I mean, there was a real risk of, of you or one of your brothers dying every single day that we were there. I mean, there wasn't a day that went by that we didn't get hit with a rocket or a mortar. So uh, that brotherhood was valuable. And most men don't have, you know, we may have had it in high school with younger or potentially college. If we played to that degree in in some sort of sports, uh, if you spent time in the military, of course you had it. But outside of that, uh, most men don't have any sort of brotherhood and, uh, and it's a real detriment to their own growth because they can't see, they can't see themselves, right? There's only so much you can see when you're looking in the mirror, but when you have somebody objective looking at you who cares about you and wants you to succeed, there's just something to that. Uh, the other benefit is that men push each other, right? Uh-huh. We, uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, we push and we challenge and we test and we prod and we poke and we, and we, and we try to, toughen each other up through our actions and through our words. And if you don't have people in your life doing that, you, you aren't, you aren't getting a a critical component of growth. There's this really fascinating thought and it's, it's a detriment to, to men is this lone wolf thing. You look at, you know, James Bond and you look at Jason Bourne and these are like the epitome of, of, of masculinity. And yet these are men who don't work in a team. They go at it alone. They don't, work with them and so it's been romanticized and unfortunately in real life it's it's not it's not good it's not good for men uh-huh. and so I, I don't know I don't know I don't subscribe to this lone wolf idea and, and anybody who says well I am a lone wolf might have some ego issues that they need to work through and, and are leaving room for growth on the table yeah so that's interesting because you know you you know you're at your house right now I'm at my house right now we both work out of the house how do you, you know, besides surrounding yourself with your family, who else do you surround yourself with to keep you in that space, to keep you, you know, either motivated or um, challenged, uh, just as you were mentioning? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a real struggle, and it has been for a long time uh, for me. Fortunately, I've realized that, and I've done a lot to work on that. Uh, for me, it's, we've got our, our digital brotherhood called the Iron Council. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to band with these guys and connect with these guys on a daily basis. And they're questioning me and pushing and testing me as, as I am with them. So that's been valuable. Uh, but I also have local friends as well. Uh, jiu-jitsu is something that's been very valuable for me. And so a uh, couple of nights a week, I go into jiu-jitsu and we roll and we try to beat each other up for two hours. And that, that, <laughs> that, that, that's powerful. Oh, yeah. you know? Does it, somebody listening who hasn't been involved in that might hear that and think, well, that's weird. That's, there's, there's no use in that, but they couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, it, it, it's, it's so critical specifically and especially for men. Yeah. So having that brotherhood and, and that has been really valuable as well. Yeah. So I, I think the best thing to do is to find something that you're interested in and then find other men. And, and I say men exclusively, 
I mean, there's a time and a women involved as well. Like if you're going to your, your friend's place and you guys get together for dinner or go out on a date with, with another couple or whatever, great, fine. But there also needs to be an element of uh, exclusivity where it's just men. Uh, because once women enter the equation, the dynamic changes. You know, I, I watch my, I've got four kids. I watch my two oldest, especially my oldest. When, when a girl's around, the boys end up, whether they realize it or not, start jockeying for position and attention and it changes the dynamic between two boys just hanging out. And it's not, it's not wrong. It's not bad. Right. It's normal. It's natural. It's positive. But there also needs to be some exclusivity with, with men only. There needs to be some time carved out for that. Yeah. So they're not peacocking. <laughs> right. So they can focus on improvement rather than just showing off. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. We actually just talked about that on the previous episode. Um, I had uh, I had two guys on and they have a, a, a man group. It's called Man Tribe. And they, they were talking about the same exact thing. They brought a woman in and completely changed the dynamic of it. And they'll, they'll never do it again. Um, yeah. So, yeah. A lot of the times, like even on my podcast, you know, we've been podcasting for four, a little, well, let's see, a little over four years, four and a half years or so now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've only interviewed two women, one, one woman one, uh, twice and another one, my wife twice. That's it. Yeah. You just <laughs> and, have her and I have people all the June 4th, right? Yeah. yeah not, yeah. About a month ago or yeah. so. Yeah. And, and, and I have guys or not guys necessarily, but people say, Oh, you should have women on. You can learn things from women too. I'm like, yeah, I can. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I can learn things from women. Mm-hmm. And I do. Um, but this is an environment where we congregate as men and we work through issues together as men. And there's, extreme value in that and you're not going to get that anywhere else in society yeah. so this is a great place for it i like that um talk a little bit about the uh the, the iron council you just mentioned that is saying like and i actually like what you said right there about how you're pushing them right because you're the one running the iron council but you're humble enough to be coached as well right or pushed as well right it's not just you know, oh, I'm, I'm doing all this for you guys. It's also them yeah. doing for you, which I really like that aspect. And I, and I actually do want to just make one point before you answer that is that what you were saying about jujitsu and if somebody's listening and they think that it's weird. Um, I, I think, I think you're following me on Instagram as well as I follow you and you probably saw my son and I, we go to jujitsu too. And that's something that we actually do together. And so, uh, you know, we'll go two or three nights a week and it is, it definitely, pushes you to get better and i always encourage my son to you know learn the lessons of that you know see where you're lacking a little bit see where you need to get better and how do you get yourself out of your comfort zone you know yeah yeah it's good it's it's a good opportunity to connect with your son in a meaningful and productive way for sure yeah i mean we just started actually at the same time too so it's not like something i was doing for years and years before and i was something i wanted him to get into we both got into it at the same exact time so it's pretty cool like now we both have two stripes on our white belt, you know, and it's a little less yeah. than a year that we've been, um, been rolling. September will be a year. So it's, awesome. um, yeah, it's really cool to, to bond with, but then, yeah, if you're just doing it solo, it's definitely a, a good learning experience, but yeah, I want to hear more about the, the iron council and let everybody know what that is and, um, what they can expect if they look into that. Well, uh, I started the Iron Council about six months after I started Order of Man, and really my goal was to give these guys some frameworks for success. And so we had discussions every week about certain elements of masculinity, and uh, we, that was a 90-day program initially, and we got about 60 days into it, and the guys were like, what's next, what's next, what next? And so I opened it up 
uh, in January of 2016. Um, but really what it is, is we have monthly topics distilled down to weekly subtopics from there. Uh, there's challenges that we issue every single week um, where these guys are having to go out and actually implement some of the things that we're talking about. We have a book club, different channels in our platform where they can talk about whether it's fatherhood or physical fitness or jiu Uh, and then we have a, uh, a weekly meeting in addition to that, where we're all getting on the call together and talking about the subtopic of the, of the week. Um, sometimes we have some guests um, make an appearance on it as well. We have Mark Devine, Commander Mark Devine, former Navy SEAL commander on last week. Uh, what else? Oh, they have battle teams. So 15-man teams that these guys get together in, and, and they're communicating more often and more regularly as we continue to grow. So uh, it's been good. It's been really good. That's awesome. It's powerful. Yeah, it's powerful. You mentioned, um, well, actually, you mentioned a couple things came up. When you you just mentioned the book club, which made me think of a previous thought that I had when you mentioned Ramadi. The only knowledge I have of Ramadi is from reading Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, and I know you had interviewed him at one point. But then you said you were also in Ramadi. You guys ever cross paths? No, no. I so I left Ramadi in June, I believe. Of let me just think about the timeline here. Yeah, June of two thousand six. And I think if I remember correctly, Jocko and Tasky New Bruiser got there in April, maybe of 2006. So there was a little bit of a crossover, mm -hmm. but uh, never had the, the privilege or honor of working with him or anything like that. Although that would have been, like I said, an extreme honor. Sure, yeah. Yeah, just, just didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to actually listen to that episode yet. So I didn't know if you guys actually talked about it. So. My a little bit we, we've done three we've done three podcasts together so um i think the first one we talked more about it the last one we did we we didn't we talked about the dichotomy of leadership and everything else so yeah like i said we've done we've done three together so yeah um so you mentioned the books talk a little bit about sovereignty what what made you so, so you have <clears throat> so you started the order of man it started out as a, a blog or it started out as a podcast um the well, I started at the same time. I started the website and the, and the podcast oh, at, the, at the same time. Okay. Yeah. So you have yeah. this following, right? The blog's, the blog's building, the podcast is building. Then all of a sudden, six months later, you develop the Iron Council. That's getting a lot of traction. You're getting so much interest. You know, what made you want to do the book? And then how is, well, how is the book different than everything? Or does the book kind of tie it all in together? the book ties it in together and I wanted a framework to be able to, to have one place for all of these conversations and discussions and general themes that we were having. <laughs> but I thought the book would be a great way to reach an audience that I hadn't reached before. Right. We've got the blog, we've got the podcast, we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram and all that other social media. Uh, but the book uh, allowed me to reach in and tap into a new audience and talk about the frameworks that I've used in my life to be able to have the type of success that I've had. So that's been that's been, uh, been very valuable, yeah. you know, and, and, and instrumental in, in growth. And it's also something that we, we require, uh, as, as members of the iron council, because if you're going to tap into what we're doing, you need to know the basis for, uh, what it is that, that we're doing and that, and that's it. But what I learned by writing the book is I learned, well, I, I don't know if learned is the right word, but the unintended consequence or benefit, I should say, of it was that I had to formulate my thoughts. Because up until then, um, I could really just spew out my thoughts without really having to give them much of a, much of a second thought. 
right? Right. Um, but but in writing a book, you had to articulate your thoughts, and then you had to uh, back those claims up, and and all of that is really really valuable um, as as you're trying to lead a movement, lead an organization, and share a message. So the book has been not only a good process for those who've read it, it's been instrumental. And a lot of times people will message me and ask um, certain questions about what they're dealing with. And it's amazing how often I can refer back to the book and say, hey, it's in chapter two, read the book. Right? But then <laughs> yeah. it's also helped me to uh, really flesh out some ideas that I hadn't hadn't crystallized yet. So it's, it's been valuable that way. That's awesome. How long did it take you to write? Well, so the way we do it in the Iron Council and the framework that I use is that um, – is that we, we plan out 90 day segments. So I had been wanting to write a book for, for years and years and years, two or three years. Uh, but I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do this in 90 days. So Whoa. I wrote, yeah, I wrote the book in 60 days. And at the same time, we were simultaneously doing the marketing and the design work and everything else while I was writing it, the editing process. And then after I wrote it, then we put it out 30 days later, um, which actually would have been sooner if we didn't have to wait on Amazon to approve it and the images and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it was, it was a 90 day turnaround time. And I did that deliberately. Uh, I knew if I didn't do it like that, I wouldn't do it at all. Right. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. When you yeah, say we, you. when you say we, it was just you and your wife doing it. Um, I always say we, because it's never myself. Like I'm yeah. not a lone wolf, you know, like, so when I say we, um, I don't, it's we, it's everybody. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, gotcha. it's my designer, it's my editor, it's me, it's, it's the, the men who supported me in the path. It's the Iron Council who encouraged me to keep going. It's, uh, it's the men who have bought it. Like, it's never just me. I hate when people say, I did this, I'm this. I, I, I try to avoid, and I just said it, uh, to say that as much as possible. Yeah. Well, you can't say we try to avoid that because <laughs> you're talking about yourself. Right. Well, you're taking responsibility, right? So my, my overall goal, I guess, is to take ultimate responsibility for myself and then include people in the victories and the things that go well. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to include them in the things that don't go well, but that's your responsibility, not, not anybody else's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I like that. So how have, um, so, so tell me a little bit about, so how, how old's your oldest uh, child and then how old's your youngest child? 11 and three. So there's a big, big range in there you got two more in between that right correct so what's the dynamic like there what what are you teaching the uh 11 year old who i think you you had on your podcast before right you actually talked to yeah. one of your sons about uh, you know him yeah and... that was my 11 year old mm-hmm. yeah yeah so he he also works with me in, in in our organization he does all the fulfillment orders and everything else oh wow uh, which is cool because we can yeah it's it's great because we can have these conversations and learn about business he can find value and meaning and significance in what it is we're doing. Uh, people like to send him messages and take pictures of their merchandise and the card that he wrote for them. And they're, they're honored to get that. So it's a kind of a win-win all around. Um, so I try to include him in, as much as I can in that process. Um, of course I can't include a three-year-old in that process, but we wrestle, right. Or we play Legos and, or dinosaurs or whatever he wants to do. Right. It's just, it's age dependent and maturity level. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's nice where we have kids so spread out as they're all at different levels and they all need different things and me trying to figure it out as much as a growth process for me as it is for them. Uh, so yeah, it's good to have my oldest involved in the business with me and it's good to be able to play dinosaurs. Like I said, with my youngest, it's it just, it just varies based on their age and what they like and what they're all about. It's gotta be so amazing to be able to sit back and look at what you've created over the years 
you know, whether it be your business or your family, how you strengthen your relationship and then just actually sit back and say, wow, look at, look at what I've achieved. Right. And maybe you wouldn't use the word I, cause of what we just said, right. But look, 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 look at where we are now, right. As a family, look at where we, you know, your wife and you are as a family, that's gotta be so amazing to sit back and look at that. And, you know, for somebody listening that, maybe wants that or was in the position and really resonates with what you were talking about before about the relationship falling apart and having to mend it. What's the one thing that you would recommend to someone who's sitting there thinking like, wow, listen to what Ryan's done, listen to what he has. And, you know, he has these four amazing kids and this podcast and this blog and this group of people that he's helping. But you mentioned it in the book and how there's so many different things that you've taken that you've implemented. What's one big takeaway, maybe either from the book or that you would just offer somebody uh, and maybe they're the exact same thing, but what's that one thing you'd say, this is the starting point. This is what you first need to start doing to change everything. You need to take responsibility for your life. You know, how often do we blame our wife for the struggles in the relationship or our boss for our lack of career advancement or the economy or president for a lack of financial resources like what part do you have to play in this you know yeah it's it's so easy to just pawn off responsibility to somebody else and, and believe that it's somebody else's job or obligation to ensure that you're happy or successful or healthy or financially independent and when I began to take ownership of my life and focus on myself that's when it changed you know when my wife and I were going through our separation uh, it really didn't turn around until I actually thought the marriage was over. And because I thought our marriage was over, I stopped focusing on her so much and trying to change her and what she could do to fix our marriage. And I said, you know what? This marriage is over. I'm just going to go to work on myself. And what was ironic about that is as I went to work on myself, she responded positively to that. Just like anybody would, right? We can't control other people. We can only influence people. And how do we influence them? By becoming more influential. It's a it's an action that we take on, on our own behalf. So if you aren't where you need to be or want to be in your life, it's your fault. Mm -hmm. you know, and I know people hear that and they think, well, that's, that's harsh. Maybe, but it's true. And it's also a message of positivity. Because if it's your fault, then you actually have something that you can do about it. If it's somebody else's fault, then there's nothing you can do. And that's, that's gloom. That's, that's not encouraging. Mm -hmm. So when you realize that you have ultimate control of how you respond and how you behave and the things that you do and your environment and everything else, then you begin to change the way that you see the world and interact with the world and the way that it rewards you for doing so. Maybe it wasn't just one thing, but can you remember back to that point? What was the first thing you chose to work on yourself? Exercise. Uh -huh. I mean, you think about exercise, right? Everything that's required to be successful in the gym is exactly the same set of skills that's required to be successful in every other facet of life. Discipline, commitment, sacrifice, dedication, uh, doing hard things, overcoming pain, physical, emotional, and mental pain. Uh -huh. it's, it's all the same set of skills. And the other benefit of exercise is that you can see it immediately. Right? If you're 50 pounds overweight, which I was, you can go into the gym and you, you can actually see progress this week. And, and I'm not talking about a little progress. I'm talking about significant improvement and change in your physical appearance. And when you see that quickly like that, you start to rack up these small little wins and give yourself a little bit more hope and optimism towards the path that you're currently walking. Yeah. Uh, if you're trying to change your mindset, it's like, I don't, I don't really know how to directly change your mindset and focus on that 
if you're in a deep dark and you aren't where you want to be, like that seems like a pretty tall order, but you could go to the gym. You can get up and walk. You can do some push-ups every day. Uh-huh. Like there's things that you can do. It's very tangible. It's very easy to measure and they will naturally and inevitably improve every other area of life, including your mindset and your psyche and your well-being and your sanity and your relationships and your career endeavors, all of it. Yeah. So the, the exercise component was huge for me. I like, I like what you said right there, just about the mental aspect of the physical act, right? So the physical act mm-hmm. of working out can change your, you know, outlook, your, you know, mental fortitude, you know, like uh, strength basically. Right. Be- but the thing is, I feel like a lot of people can miss that message. If you, if you miss the lesson, then it's wasted. Right. But if you're looking at, let's say you're doing push-ups, you just mentioned push-ups are easy to do. Right. So push-ups, you get down on the floor and you push yourself. And if you can still do another rep, do it. But how many people fall into is actually what I call the 10 rep rut, right? People fall into that 10 rep rut and they literally mentally check out once they hit 10 reps because they think that that's the magic number that they need to perform. And let's say that they're able to perform 17 reps, let's say, right? And they get to 15 and they're really getting hard, but you can really bang out two more reps and you're increasing that mental toughness and you're instilling that. And if you can prove yourself that you can be mentally tough while you're working out, well, it just shows that you can be mentally tough really during anything. You just have to apply yourself like you're doing with your pushups. Right. And so, but if you miss that message, if you miss that lesson of, wow, I can actually increase my mental toughness by challenging myself physically, then it's, it's kind of wasted if you don't really put those two together. So I like the, I like that you said that I actually share that, um, a lot because that's something I've learned over the years too, you know, because, you know, when people have to mentally push themselves, what is it, you know, maybe it's meeting a deadline for work. Uh, they're sitting in front of a computer or something like that. They're not physically engaged. And so then they're thinking to themselves, well, now how can I be mentally tough while sitting here? Well, it's just the same thing. It's just how do you apply the hard work um, and pushing through that you did with the push-ups to sitting in front of your computer and <laughs> banging out in a book right. in 90 days. Right. Right. I yeah. Mean, just looking for a lesson and applying the lesson and then looking for where it crosses over. And you can't make a decision in a vacuum either. Right. If you, if you make a decision to improve your life or, or let's say do 12 pushups instead of 10, I mean, that's naturally going to spill over into other areas of your life. Yeah. You, 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 we don't make these compartmentalized uh, decisions and actions. They all translate. And, and it's the old adage, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you're going to do 12 instead of 10, then guess what? At work, when you want to quit, you're going to remember that, draw upon that experience and know that you're capable of a little more than you previously were. So I know you have this shiny, glamorous, state-of-the-art gym in your garage, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and for anyone listening, that's that's a joke. Um, that's a joke. It's, <laughs> it's definitely a garage gym, you know what I mean? Which right. is... I, I think I recently saw it on Instagram or something like that. You said something about it's, it's not pretty, but pretty doesn't get the job done or something like that. That's right. Yeah. So do you, um, do you and your family work out together? I mean, maybe not the three-year-old, but I mean, just, you know, doing something together actively. And, you know, I know you guys are now in a new location, so maybe it's a lot of outdoor yeah. stuff. So that's what it is. I don't know if we work out. My wife and I will work out occasionally together and occasionally my oldest son will work out with me and do some deadlifts or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't, I like doing my workouts by myself cause I don't want distractions. I don't want people talking to me. I just want to do my workout. Yeah. So I, I usually work out on my own, but as far as are we active together? Absolutely. You know, we're always outside, whether it's walking the property or 
going on a hike or shooting our bows or playing with the dogs or working on a project. There's something that we're, we're so active when we're always doing something. So yeah, we're, we're, we're constantly together and a lot of it is physical exertion. You believe in like little family rituals. You guys have anything that you guys do as a family, whether it's every day or, you know, every morning or every week, try to try to get something in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a morning routine. My, my wife and I work out in the morning. We come, we come in, we read scriptures as a family together. Uh, and then we talk about what those scriptures are. And then we, we do a family prayer. So Monday's my day, Tuesday's my wife's, Wednesday's my oldest, Thursday's my second and so on uh, for prayer. And then at the end of that, then we do what we just dubbed the family meeting, which is just everybody getting on the same page for the day. You know, okay, our, this son's going to baseball and this son's going to, to, to swim and our daughter's got this activity and she has this friend coming over and then I've got jujitsu tonight and my wife's going to go out with her girlfriends. And so we try to like coordinate all of that in the morning. Mm -hmm. So there isn't any guesswork about where we are and what we're doing on a given day. And it allows us to get on the same page. And that little practice has been invaluable uh, for the family dynamic. Um, we do dinner together 90, 95% of the time we're eating dinner together as a family uh, we have great conversations. One of the things that we do if we get stumped is we just say, you know, go around, what's the best part of your day? Mm -hmm. And we allow all of us to answer the best part of our day. And um, having those conversations has been very, very valuable as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's something we've, we've done before. Uh, we've heard other people call it peaks and pitfalls. And I, I think there's like all other, you know, creative names for that concept. Um, but I do, sure. I, I do like that a lot. Um, so, so, T talk to talk to us about this event that you have coming up. You have the next event coming up August 10th and 11th, two days. Yes. At, mm -hmm. the, at your new location in Maine. Yep. Um, for anybody looking to sign up for that, they just go to Order of Man, right? Uh, well, I think you have to go to the specific link. It's orderofman.com slash main event. So Maine is in the state Maine. So orderofman.com slash main event. And that will take you to the registration page. M-A-I-N-E event okay Correct. and so uh -huh. what can people expect when they show up and what's what's it like uh we've done a lot of different events this one's more of a meetup but we've got 75 slots um we don't have very many left i think we have 15 or 20 spots left is all we have right now but uh ultimately it's it's an opportunity for guys to get two things number one the network getting access to other men who are achieving on big levels who want to achieve who want to help other people achieve and it's invaluable when you connect men together face-to-face, -to -face, shoulder to shoulder, knee to knee. Uh, we'll have some competitions and some training. Um, we'll have some, some uh, surprises thrown in as well. It's not going to be two days of lecture because I can't do that. I can't imagine any other man wanting to do that. It sounds <laughs> miserable to me. Uh, so yeah, we'll do that. And then, so the, so the network having access to these guys, I'm going to do a live podcast with my co-host Kip Sorensen there. Um, we're going to be fielding questions from the guys in, in, in the, uh, in, at the event. Uh, and then also the the framework. And so I talked a little bit about our 90 day battle planning system. The battle plan is something that we're going to go over and, and the guys there will break off into teams and work through a 90 day plan in four specific areas of their life and uh, really be challenged by the men on their team to in a way poke holes at and look for areas of, of inefficiency or hangups and let these guys really flesh out what the next 90 days is going to look like so they can accomplish big things in their life. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate goal is like, what can we do to get you to produce in your relationships and your level of fitness and your bank account and every other facet of life? Yeah. So it's going to be a very, very powerful 
uh, weekend and there's going to be a lot to take away from it that will actually apply to your life in addition to the brotherhood and the camaraderie and some of the events that we've done I mean from three years ago guys are still in touch and some of these guys in, in ways have become best friends just through an event that we did so there, there's value in just being there for the network as well that's amazing congratulations on putting yeah, something together fun, together like that now you have 75 slots I mean that's a pretty big group for just I mean, now mm-hmm. are you the only one facilitating or you have other people to help you facilitate especially when you guys break off into these groups and then you know do you guys come back together as 75 people and then just start going through what your 90 days looks like or I guess the reason I'm asking no that is- no those will be broken up into smaller groups and then we have people that will help facilitate that so okay. we've got our event I've got an event coordinator Chris Gatchko, he's been with me for a long time. Um, I've got the co-art, my co-host Kip, uh, my business partner with the events, Matthew Arrington. These are all guys who are going to come out and, and help facilitate some of these discussions and make sure they keep the guys on the right track. That's cool. Because I've done, yeah. I've done similar things, uh, you know, and, you know, you have people – maybe, maybe they can't even think of what they can do in 90 days and, you know, maybe they need a little push or maybe they're not shooting big enough. Right. You know, I mean, for someone to say that they're going to write a book, just using you as the example, write a book in 90 days. I mean, that's thinking big, right. You're not playing small as they would say. Um, so I was just kind of well, curious. I don't like, know. I mean, with that, I mean, let's talk about that for a second, maybe, but maybe it's not big enough. It really depends on who you surround yourself with. Right. So yeah. that's that's the value of being connected with other men is that somebody some somebody might say, well, in the next 90 days, I'm going to run a 5K. It's like, what? You're going to run three miles in 90 days? Like, no, man, you need somebody to push you a little harder. You're going to run a marathon in the next 90 days. But that comes from other high, high achieving, ambitious, motivated, successful men. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're going to find at the event, but that's, that's the kind of men that you find in the iron council and in our organization. Cause I encourage and challenge these guys to push on each other, like push harder than you thought previously possible. Like what's the point of just playing, playing low and playing small. So yeah, you're going to get guys that are going to push you to, to, you know, is a, is a book a, a great accomplishment in 90 days? Some would say yes. And other people would say, no, Yeah, I want to be around the people who would say no and say, well, why didn't you do it in 30 days? Hmm. It's all just a, it's a matter of, of, it's all relative. Right? Sure. And so I want to be with the people who are going to push me harder than I've pushed before. Right. And you look at the science of goal setting and there, there is a little bit of a science to it, but you know, you look at goal setting and then you say to yourself, what well, has to be a realistic goal that you're setting for yourself? So you're not, you know, it's, it's almost kind of like weird to say it out loud, right? Because then you say, well, why are you setting yourself up for failure? But I was going to, I was going to finish that thought was that you don't want to set yourself up for failure. So I was just thinking about when you said run a marathon in 90 days, let's say someone who, you know, is, uh, is maybe 50 pounds overweight and they've never really trained before for, and they've never run a marathon. They've never run a 5k. How do you get, you know, how do you guys in your group kind of, uh, make the distinction of what's a, a healthy achievable goal? And something that's not like, probably not realistic. Or, or does that not even really well, exist? I mean, because it does that not even really exist then? Because it's like, well, anything's really possible. It just depends on how hard you push yourself, right? So it's just. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anything's possible. You know, I know that's a cute like little catchphrase that people say. Yeah, but yeah. I think you're right that you know it's like you you do have to be somewhat realistic. It has to be achievable. It has to be relevant to your life you know somebody said well would you try veganism for a month if if not is it because you're afraid to step outside of your comfort zone I'm like 
no, it's not that I'm afraid to step outside of my comfort zone. It just has no relevancy in my life. There's, there's nothing that attaches me to that. So why would I even try mm-hmm. that? Yeah. <laughs> so that you get, you got to consider that as well. But I think it's, I think it's a matter of, of that individual, what he thinks he can achieve and what he thinks he can accomplish and pushing just a little harder past that. Plus when you get a group together, if you have one individual, you might get it wrong. If you have two, you know, maybe you get it right because you have another perspective. But if you have seven to 10 to 15 guys all together, then having that 360 degree perspective is very, very valuable. Yeah. So that's why we break them up in teams like that is so that you're not getting one or two guys. You're getting 10 to 15 guys all having discussion, really hashing through the challenges of setting realistic goals, but not selling yourself short, but but being too ambitious, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's, that's why having a band of brothers is so valuable. And it's a band. It's not one friend it's not solo it's a band of brothers true that's awesome man i love it yeah and i don't think uh back to your point on veganism i don't think a uh, a tofu burger would get would look good getting stuck in your beard that's right and i'm sure it wouldn't <laughs> taste good either so i'm just not interested in in trying it <laughs> or maybe I, maybe i shouldn't say try it. i would try it but i'm not interested in living off of it agreed yeah Although there are points, you know, where I don't, I feel like I don't need as much meat and, and things like that. And I'll listen to my body and, and kind of flow with it. Um, but it's not to the point where I ever feel like I need to go vegan for a particular reason or vegetarian for particular reasons. But I mean, there actually have been days that I technically was vegetarian because I didn't eat meat or anything like that. Sure, but yeah. that's more listening to my body instead of following it because, you know, uh, someone else thinks that's the right thing to do or you know whatever it is so yeah yeah awesome man well this is great so um tell everybody where they can find out a little bit more about you uh we've already mentioned orderofman.com but tell everybody where they could find out more about you on facebook and instagram social media wherever you're the most active yeah instagram is probably the most active that's at ryan mickler and my last name is m-i-c-h-l-e-r so connect with me there Uh, you're listening to a podcast we've got our podcast as well so wherever you're listening to this type in order of man you'll find it there Uh, but i think between the the website orderman.com the instagram uh the instagram account and uh the the podcast you'll you'll get everything you need from us that's for sure Yeah, right everything's interconnected nowadays right so oh, it really is man it's all integrated for sure yeah how are you liking your move up to uh maine how you guys how you guys oh we love it getting integrated yeah, it's been and amazing and... it's been a little stressful yeah it's been been a little stressful and overwhelming but uh but we love it man it's it's been a it's been an incredible incredible journey man it's it's been exciting for sure where'd you guys move from utah southern utah so how's the time zone difference uh it's two hours difference but like how are you guys acclimating to the time zone difference oh uh, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Yes. Yeah, I, I guess the hardest thing is it gets bright really early here, like four o'clock in the morning. That's the hardest thing. But, mm-hmm. um, outside of that, it's just, it's the same as anywhere else. You just get used to it. Yeah. Where, did you grow up in, in Utah? So you were born in that time zone? I did. Okay. Well, I was born in, in California, spent, uh, the first 13 years of my life in California and then moved to Utah in right before uh, high school. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. yeah, you're, so you're used to West coast then. Yeah. West coast time. Yeah. I, it's, it's fine. I like being out here cause I'm awake before anybody else and I can get going and when I need something I can call and you know, and it's uh, like, they're just getting started. It's, it's fine. You just, 
it's it's funny because sometimes people I think make make a bigger deal out of things than they are right we have a tendency to do that Mm -hmm. um and yeah changing time zones has been like the least of the challenges in 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 integrating ourselves and getting comfortable being out here yeah cool man yeah all right. So, so as we, as we end every episode with uh, ten questions, which were inspired by James Lipton and Bernard Pivot. So, you ready? I'm ready. Is this like a rapid fire thing? Is that is that what we're doing? Yeah, here? man. Yeah, just you can keep okay, keep I'm the ready. answers, uh, you know, short and sweet, and we'll okay. we'll go right through them. Okay. Number one, who is your hero? Um, my mom. I mean, she really did a great job raising myself and my sister and gave me the foundation for success in my life. Nice. What excites you? Seeing my kids grow. I mean, I love watching them advance and evolve and grow and find new things. We're potty training our youngest, and he's so excited when he pees or poops on the toilet, and just watching him and how excited he is is, is pretty cool. Yeah. What turns you off? Uh, people who don't have the ability to take ownership and responsibility for themselves in their lives. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's like, you know, they blame everybody else and everything else for their circumstances. And I just don't want to be around those people. The victim. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. What is your favorite sound? <laughs> My favorite sound. Um, I, uh, the cash register. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, I haven't really thought about what my favorite sound is. There's lots of sounds I guess I like and lots that I probably don't. I don't know. Well, that's the next one. What is your least favorite sound? Okay. Uh, whining. Anybody whining, complaining. I hate okay. it. <laughs> what is your favorite quote or saying? Uh, John Eldridge has one of my favorite quotes because it's been the framework for a lot of what I measure my activities by. And he says, deep in his heart, every man longs for a battle to fight, an adventure to live and a beauty to rescue. And that one has always really stuck out with me. And again, it's the framework for what I do. There's, there's another one um, that I really like by John Stuart Mill. He says, a man who has nothing for which uh, he's willing to fight, nothing which is more important than his own personal safety is a miserable creature and has no chance of being free unless made and kept so by the exertions of better men than himself. That's another one of my favorites. Wow. Is that on the wall right in front of you? It's, um, I, I memorize a few quotes that I, that I like, but that one will be hung up on my wall. That's impressive that you just, you know, recited that. That's awesome. Well, I, I like I said, I, I try to memorize those quotes and I, I've internalized them in over years. Sure, so. sure. <laughs> in a couple words, what should a dad be? <sighs> a dad should I'm trying, I'm, I'm going to change the, the answer and maybe it doesn't fit the question exactly, but I'm just going to say that your job is to render yourself obsolete. Like your job is to, a dad's job, a dad's job is to put himself out of a job. And there's two, I think there's too many dads that, that, that feel like they have to be there forever and, and the activities and things that they do don't allow their kids the, the freedom and individualism to be able to go out onto their own free of uh, having to be babysat or watched over by their father. So dad's job is to render himself obsolete. Interesting. I like that. 
in a couple words, what should a dad not be? A friend. And I know that's going to rub people the wrong way, but I'm telling you, if you're only your kids as friend, you're doing them a huge disservice. Now, is there elements of friendship and fatherhood? Of course, but I will never, ever step off the mantle of father to a lower tier of friend. Again, I'll be friendly, but I'm a father, not a friend. Right. So much greater. Right. I'm sure your boys are your little buddies, but you're still their father. Right. I'm, we're not bros. Right. If you could try any other profession, what would it be? Uh, fighter pilot. I think that sounds fascinating. In fact, that's one of my goals is to is to fly in a fighter jet. So if you have any uh, insider information, knowledge, let me know. Okay. <laughs> and finally, what would you like to be remembered for? I thought a lot about this one. Um, I want to be remembered for somebody who always tried what what they thought about. Like I never want it. I want people to, to say, you know what, Ryan always was willing to do what he thought about doing. Like he's always willing to pursue his dreams and give them a fair shake. Um, whether they work out or not, is a completely different story, but at least he was willing to give it a shot. And that's what I want to be remembered for. That's awesome. Ryan, it was such an honor having you on the Warrior Dads podcast. I really appreciate you making the time and sharing everything that you did today. Um, I loved, I loved a lot of what you said. I love what you're doing with Order of Man, and uh, I wish you the best of luck, man. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm really honored to be on here, and, and I'm glad about what you're doing. There's, gosh, it's, it's sickening a little bit to – not even – it's, it's disgusting, frankly, that there is such a lack of, of strong male – presence as fathers and community leaders in, in the homes and in the communities. And so what you're doing is a big, big part of the solution to that problem. And I commend you for doing it and stepping into it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Jim. All right, man. Have a great one. I'll talk to you later. All right. Talk soon. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. If you like this podcast and want to support it, please subscribe, leave comments and share it with someone you think would benefit from listening as well. Thanks again and keep on being a warrior dad.